are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an April 19th, Wednesday night edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Henderson, a writer from Blazers Edge, also the Associated Press and former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a wide variety of shows covering the NBA, the NFL, and every individual team in those respective leagues. And of course, your Portland Trailblazers here on Locked On Blazers. Game 2, Blazers Warriors just wrapped up. It was uh not at all a dramatic game, not at all uh like the game 1 uh matchup. The Warriors were without Kevin Durant in this game as I suspected that they would be when they announced that he was questionable. They have aspirations of winning the finals, beating LeBron James and the Cavaliers or whoever comes out of the East. And they still got two more rounds in the West playoffs as well after this. So uh, made a ton of sense for them to sit him. However, uh, you know, probably should have expected it given how they played to finish the season. Uh, but the Warriors came out uh, hot after Portland got off to a good start. Portland took an early lead. Uh, I believe they led by as much as five in the first few minutes of the game. But uh, then the Warriors went on, I think it was a 14-0 run, and then it was like an 18-2 run, and uh, give them a lot of credit defensively. That was where the Warriors really won this game Steph Curry had 19 points on 6 of 18 shooting. Klay Thompson, 6 of 17. Draymond Green only took 5 shots. Uh, so the Warriors didn't explode offensively. As, you know, They scored 110 points. It was 110-81 was the final score. Uh, but th- this, this game was not won on the offensive end for Golden State. Portland's defense was not that bad in this one. Just their offense was atrocious. They could not shoot, and worse than the fact that they could not shoot, they just did not take good care of the ball at all and made a lot of careless passes and just all those things, uh, you know, combining into one uh, poop storm uh, for the Blazers was was their undoing in this game. Uh, the, you know, like I said, the Warriors' main guys didn't have a good offensive game. Uh, Portland's offensive rating in this one ended up being 77.7. So they were averaging... points per possession. So, yeah, that's really bad. Um, That's one of their worst performances of the year. Obviously, the Warriors had the second-best defense in the league. I think they ended up second in defensive rating behind San Antonio. Um, So you expect that, but 
you know what they did in this game uh they started Patrick McCaw which I thought was a little bit of a surprise instead of Andre Iguodala and to uh Steve Kerr's credit and to McCaw's credit McCaw I thought did a good job he was aggressive uh with the ball in his hands at times he drove with confidence he had a couple nice moves around the basket got CJ McCollum going up and down and and the Warriors role players just as a whole delivered JaVale McGee again with uh, another monstrous performance, and Portland really had no answer for him at all in this game. McGee was a plus 19 in the 13 minutes that he played. He scored 15 points, had five rebounds, and four block shots as well. Just absolutely dominant. Had another block on Damian Lillard. He was just roaming around the paint. And uh, one of my suggestions to try and neutralize that, because he was so effective in game one was throwing Myers Leonard out there so that you know you set screens with him and you get JaVale McGee having to stick on to him however the Warriors avoided any possible positivity that Leonard could have you know brought to that situation by putting a smaller guy in Andre Iguodala on Leonard on the one possession he was out there in the first half and putting JaVale McGee on Alfaruq Camino, who was setting the screens in the middle, so that McGee could continue to be in the middle of the paint instead of having to, you know, respect Aminu's jumper. And uh, Stotts pulled Myers Leonard out, you know, 22 seconds into his first shift. He brought him back later when the game was already out of hand uh, in the third quarter, trying to get something going. But, uh, you know, JaVale McGee was monstrous. Portland threw Myers Leonard out there, which you would think is, you know, in terms of matchups, but the Warriors are very smart. They're a very well-coached team. Knowing that Leonard could force JaVale to step out, they're like, okay, well, we'll make Leonard post up on Andre Iguodala, which he, you know, that's not going to work. So uh, very smart of the Warriors to, you know, neutralize that immediately. And Stotts, you know, was forced to go small again. And uh, they went small for the whole game. Uh, Noah Vonley got in towards the end, but he really didn't play. Uh, he played less in this game than he did in the last game. Stotts went with more of the small ball looks. And again, uh, the guys played a little bit better, but ultimately did not deliver in the way that they needed, that the Blazers needed them to on a night when Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum uh, just had a really come back to earth night with their percentages because they were so phenomenal in game one from the field that uh you know it's just it's just math and a lot of times you know they were just missing shots that they were making and uh you know those guys also had a lot of turnovers everyone on the Blazers had bad turnover problems they had 18 on the game that led to 20 Golden State points but they just didn't get enough from anybody else uh, on a night when CJ and Dame didn't have it. So uh, now you have a story where CJ and Dame bring it in a great way. And then uh, then in this game, they don't bring it uh, at all. The Warriors really neutralized them. And then, uh, you know, guys played better, but they just didn't do anything remotely close enough to win this game when the Warriors' defense was on a level that it was. Uh, Alan Crabb, 0 for 5 from 3. That just hurts, you know, 43% shooter or 44%, whatever he was, one of the top two three-point shooters in the league this season, top two or three, and uh, he hasn't made, I think he's made one three in this series. Uh, I think he's like one of eight. So 
uh, you know, that hurts. Um, McCollum missing a bunch of open looks. Harkless uh, it was aggressive, but he was one of five from three. Lillard over four. Uh, Myers Leonard over two. Uh, Pat Connaughton, who got some minutes, over three. Uh, so just everyone that shot threes pretty much in this game for Portland couldn't make them, but I, a lot of credit should go to the Warriors' defense. I thought Steph Curry uh, was was really good defensively throughout this game. He deserves a lot of credit as a guy who you know, I thought Portland could pick on and who got picked on last year in the postseason, but you know that could have just been that his knee was not all the way 100%, and it was easier to go at him. And uh, he did a nice job of denying... Uh, either Lillard or McCollum when he was out there, and I thought he did a really nice job of just not letting passes uh, to the wings and to shooters or to guys in general easy. He didn't let them come easy, and that was the whole Warriors team. And when Steph is doing that, uh, you know, I think that carries over to the entire team when, you know, he was really locked in. And so I I think, uh, you know, Draymond Green obviously sets a tone for them but I think without Kevin Durant, they came out knowing that they needed to be excellent defensively, and every single guy on their team played like that. And so, uh, what you saw tonight was, you know, champ- championship level team knowing that they needed to step up, and and that's what they did. And they put on a clinic tonight on the defensive end. They really flustered Portland, as I mentioned, the turnovers for the Blazers uh, in this one. Uh, it was a you know high possession game, so uh, you know the turnover rate may not be uh, as bad, but they just got forced into so many. Uh, the passes themselves just looked so bad. I mean, there would be passes where you know Damian Lillard is driving down the lane and passes in you know just completely misses a shooter in the corner or uh, Evan Turner trying to hit Damian Lillard on a backdoor cut and Dame isn't even looking for the ball. Um, you know, guys just not in the right spots and and throwing it to where they think guys are. And it, it, that happened a lot tonight. And then there was, you know, just a lot of nervous passing. And I think the Warriors really created that. Uh, just overall, uh, Portland looked extremely flustered tonight in every facet of the game. Turnovers, three-point shooting, and uh, not just three-point shooting, too, just shooting in general. They shot 33.3%. They they made a third of their shots in this game. They were 30 of 90 from the field. And I mentioned JaVale McGee, and of course, Draymond Green continued to do what Draymond Green does and just continue to time up his contests at the basket better than anybody in the league and uh Portland's finishing at the basket uh yeah they they have to have a game where they make shots around the rim like <laughs> that they have to do that if if they're going to survive and I don't think you can against this Warriors team very easily but uh you know they had a lot of opportunities down in the in the painted area where uh they could have made a difference, could have made some shots, and and the Warriors' defense was just too good around the rim. Uh, you know, there were times that Portland just missed some too, but uh, the Warriors, I think, set a tone, and even misses after that could probably be attributed to some residual effects of what 
the Warriors do well, and that is protect the basket. So uh, some other numbers tonight. Evan Turner, I thought, again, played okay. Uh, he was part of the unit that played well in, in this game. I think after that, that big run that Golden State had, uh, Portland in the second quarter really did a, a much better job. They got that lead back down to single digits uh, after Golden State uh, took over the game, basically, in, in, the se- in the first quarter. They took a 16-point lead after one, but uh, the Blazers were able to get it down to six points, but ultimately... And actually, they got, they got it down to one uh, after an Evan Turner three-pointer. But after that, they, they that was the closest that they got. Excuse me. Uh, I forgot about that Turner three-pointer. But, uh, yeah, so I, I thought Turner played well in that stretch. Portland, uh, while they had a, a, night, uh, a bad night from Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, they benefited a little bit in the second quarter uh, from a regression for the Warriors, and that was that uh, – you know, that Ian Clark, David West, Draymond Green uh, group that was out there, Iguodala, uh, that really dominated Portland. I think they had a plus 70 net rating or something in the minutes they played. That was the unit that Portland made their comeback against, but they just were not able to sustain it. The Warriors starters and just came back and uh, really put the screws on, and it, it seemed, you know, after that, uh, brief flurry in the second quarter where Portland started back. They were down nine at halftime. And and you think to yourself, okay, hey, uh, they're in this game. And then the Warriors come out with a third quarter that just completely blew the Blazers out of the water. Uh, and Portland scored 12 points in that quarter. So that was the difference in this one for me was that third quarter, but it's not as, as small as that because uh, I think Portland's poor start, that great start for Golden State defensively, setting the tone for the whole game that nothing was going to be easy, You know, having Lillard and McCollum not making their shots, it seemed, it, that never seemed to, that didn't shake for the entire game, so that was a tone that was set early on, and they were just never able to, it, it, the second unit played well, but it even then it felt like even though they were in good shape that they were extremely vulnerable and that's because the warriors are so good uh i mentioned javel mcgee had 15 points ian clark had 13 points off the bench uh they got lots of contributions off the bench david west eight points four assists andre guadala six points six assists ten rebounds zaza pachulia had 10 points on five of eight shooting the Warriors centers in this game uh, were phenomenal. I don't even, uh, you know, they uh, just uh, they missed three shots between Javale and Zaza, and uh, again, in Portland shouldn't hang their heads defensively for their performance in this game, but offensively, uh, they definitely should. They got beat by the Warriors' role guys, and and offensively they were just completely shut down. So uh, I think that's the story in this game is that uh, Portland did well defensively, but they just completely fell apart on the offensive end. It looked like they weren't trusting their sets a lot. Um, it looked like a lot of times 
there just there was just no flow, and I think the Warriors had a lot to do with that, and that's why they have averaged, uh, you know, seventy wins or whatever over the last couple of seasons. I mean, they went sixty-seven, seventy-three, and sixty-seven. Incredible mismatch in this series, obviously, but um, I know that it's easy right now. And I, I wanted to talk about this because obviously the the mood after the game it felt like was was very dour uh, out there uh, among Blazer fans, and yeah, obviously it sucks to have your team get blown out, and it is it it, it sucks to to do that and and have the eight seed only to have that happen. However. I mean, how many people would really have that take if Nurkic and his leg thing didn't happen? And also, nobody would even have this take if Nurkic was here at all. Because Nurkic being here is what got the Blazers here. And and also, Portland was really struggling. But I think even if they keep Mason Plumlee, you know, they're, they're, they were never going to... I don't think they were going to tank so hard that they could have gotten a pick that you can really point to and be like, that's going to be a sure thing right there. I know everyone loves this draft, and I know everyone's super excited about it. But the two best players in this draft are point guards. The two guys that everyone says are sure things. We already know that the Blazers have enough point guards. And... To me, the difference between the 15th pick and the 13th pick or whatever Portland probably would have gotten if they'd never done the Nurkic trade, which also got them another pick, would have been like 10th. So, okay, 10 and 15. I don't really think that that is that much of a difference. I'm sorry. Uh, It's just not. It, it, it's to me that difference is so negligible compared to what the difference is when the Blazers traded for Nurkic, and to say that to get to this point where they're at now is a waste is also to say that having Nurkic is a waste, and that's complete crap. So anybody who's trying to sell me on Portland, you know, would have been better off just keeping Plumley and not making the playoffs I I just can't agree I just I just I just I just can't agree with that because to me what you have in Nurkic who isn't hasn't played the first two games of the series I don't know if he's going to play and I really only think he should play if he's pain-free and and the medical staff clears it not just him wanting to play I want to throw that out there He's going to play in the summer anyway. And if he's healthy and he wants to play, that's fine. But if he's not healthy, if he's in pain, he shouldn't play. So those are all factors. Having him is better than some imaginary 10th pick. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I love the draft, but it it, it can be very idealized. And... Portland still has three picks in this draft, one of which came with Nurkic. So, yeah, in a perfect world, when the season went the way it went, 
you could, you know, say, hey, CJ and Dame, sit out. Don't worry about it. We'll get a top five pick. Good luck with that. Like, again, to suggest that that would, because that's, how, how else do you get to that top five pick? I know they were, were struggling, but even with Pumley there, I would probably see them, you know, still scrapping it, staying a couple of games back of Denver, never really actually catching them, but never really, you know, being super out of it unless they had a major injury or something. And I just, I, I don't, there was no way for me to really see them to get down that far. And I know that everyone was really bunched up at the time and anything could have happened, but I think it would have been really hard to be like, okay, CJ and Dame, you're going to sit out, watch games from the bench. We're going to let uh, Tim Quarterman and Jake Lehman play while you guys rest when you're healthy and in your in your primes, and you're just not going to play. You're not going to get to play on the game's biggest stage. Have fun with that. Like, good luck, again. Like, I, that's not going to happen. And the, you know, revisionist history that was happening during this blowout to me about, like, getting to the first round and how, uh, you know, it's just crushing and all that stuff. Like, okay, so then Nurkic fever was crushing. That is the logic that you're using, is that having Nurkic, having that winning streak, and and experiencing what that was like, which was magical, that that doesn't matter. Because that's what got them to this point, playing the Warriors. They won two games without him, but they were put in the position to win two random games at the end of the regular season because of Nurkic. So if they don't have that, we're not here, and then it was all a waste. So, no, I'm not ready to be like, this series was dumb, would have been better to wait for the lottery. Okay, like, yeah. Um, yes, it's always great to have the number one pick or whatever, but, again, I, I don't know. Uh I, I just don't think that they would have gotten like Malik Monk or something or, you know, or, or a, a guy that, uh, and again, that's another guy that you have to build your offense around. He's better, def- he's a you know good defensive player, but I just, I don't see that they would have gotten there. And again, you know, he's great in college, but who's to say that he's going to be, you know, uh, a guy that's a difference maker next year for this team. Like, and, you know, maybe he is, but you have a difference maker in Nurkic and without him, we wouldn't even be having this conversation at all. We would be talking about the lottery in general and talking about the 12th pick. So, uh, to me, uh, I, uh, can't really get behind the reasoning or the rationale about, uh, this all being a waste. They scrapped, they had a great final month. Lillard found his form again. They found a center, Noah Vonley had a nice finish to the season. Alan Crabb had a nice finish to the season. Like, a lot of good things happened that I think are good for this team. And to nitpick about, you know, them making the playoffs and them getting blown out when the difference between the pick that they have now and the pick that they would have had is, is minimal, in my opinion. Like, the only difference is that one is called a lottery pick and one is called the 15th pick. It's literally the biggest difference. And so I 
Well, I agree that the loss was disappointing, and I agree that they shouldn't risk the long-term future of, of the franchise if Nurkic is not ready to play. I can't agree that that what happened tonight suddenly makes uh, making the first round uh, an abject failure. And, 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 and that this season is a complete waste. I'm, I'm not going to do that because it, it wasn't. Uh, that's why also if you listen to this podcast back in March in the middle of Nurkic fever, this is another reason why I said enjoy this. This is what makes the NBA cool. These are the moments that are cool about the NBA and you have to enjoy them. And that's why I said enjoy Nurkic fever in the moment because – you knew even if they made the playoffs, they were going to face the best Warriors team that they've ever had. And so this is not a surprise, the results that they had in this game. It, they're not. That is why you needed to enjoy Nurkic fever and, and experienced that and just enjoyed that for what it was. Because it was special, and it was a sign of things to come for next season. And if he plays, fine. Uh, But only if he's healthy. And I listen, I don't think it's going to make a difference in the series. I'm not arguing that it's going to help them win this series. Uh, The whole point of me talking about Nurkic wanting to play isn't about an end. The end is him playing. That's it. The end... the end is not, will the Blazers win the series? Having him play is the end goal. And if he can play, that's good. So, that's where I stand about it. And again, I trust the Blazers' medical staff. I think they're making smart decisions. That's why they haven't said you know, that he's going to come back in this game or giving him a direct target date. And they've left it open-ended that he might play, but... Uh, and he has practiced, but they don't have to adhere to anything. And so they're doing what they need to do. So again, I, I don't need to, I'm not going to, you know, worry about Nurkic. I, I think the Blazers medical staff is doing enough of that and he's doing enough of that. So if he comes back, to me, that's a sign that he is okay to come back and that he's okay to play. That's it. But and, and and with this performance tonight, they have less incentive to bring him back. So why not rest him? Who cares? The Warriors are probably going to rest KD too. And even if Portland were to win Game Three, which I definitely expect they will play better, I'll tell you that right now, they're going to have a better Game Three. Role players tend to play better when they're at home. Uh, I think. Everyone tends to play better when they're at home, especially in the playoffs. Uh, home court advantage is even greater. So Portland's going to play better. So Nurkic or no Nurkic, the next game is going to be better. And uh, yeah, this is an extreme mismatch, but this is still the NBA. And uh, I think Portland's going to come out better in game three. They don't have any incentive to play Nurkic, I don't think. Uh, the Warriors don't have any incentive to play Kevin Durant either with how they handled Portland in this game. But I'm just not going to sit here and say that this is a waste because it's not. Uh, you, you get to play against the best team in the league. Uh, 
a lot of guys that got paid have opportunities to prove themselves. And a lot, you know, and, and the role players like Alan Crabb, uh, you know, Myers Leonard is still have opportunities to prove themselves in this series. I think Harkless also, who has been aggressive, has an opportunity to prove himself as a more efficient player. And uh, Evan Turner, I still I still think, has a better game in him from the field, uh, even though he, you know, he has played well defensively and has, has made plays. So, so you have that, and if you're the Blazers, you need those guys to play because the, the thinking is, from where I sit, is that you know their trade value couldn't be lower after the season that they've had and Portland underperforming. So, no matter they are locked into the salary of this team, and so it's like you need them to develop at some point. Wasting away and trying to tank with no salary cap. It, like where does that get you? Uh, I just, I don't know. I they were in a really bad spot, and the fact that they turned a really disappointing season into a positive season with the addition of Nurkic to me is something that I'm not going to take for granted about this season. And uh, you know, a lot of people it felt like uh, we're doing that in the middle of this game, and so. Uh, that's why I said enjoy Nurkic fever in the moment because it was a beautiful moment. But uh, I'm not going to engage in the revisionist history that it shouldn't have happened at all. Because if you're saying that this playoff appearance was a waste, to me, that is what you're saying. That the whole Nurkic thing was a waste and that Portland finally has a center after shuffling through uh, centers for three, four years now. Uh-huh. That's big, and to me, that's bigger than any. To me, that's way bigger than having the tenth pick in the draft, because if you have the tenth pick in the draft, most likely your best case scenario is someone that has the impact of Yusuf Nurkic. And so, with that, I'm going to wrap up this edition of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast, we are there. Hit me up on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson with an E-N. Hit us up at Lockdown Blazers on Twitter. And you can also email us questions at LockdownBlazers at gmail.com. We'll be back once again. Game three of Blazers Warriors is on Saturday night at the Moda Center here in Portland. They have a couple days off in between. I'm sure there will be some updates coming on Kevin Durant, updates coming on Yusuf Nurkic. So we will have those covered uh, and and have the rest of the series covered. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at the film, uh, maybe see what, what Golden State's really doing defensively, but... I gotta say, uh, without Nurkic, it doesn't really feel like they have any any other cards to play. And and against the Warriors, you know, they're gonna force you into uncomfortable spots very early on. And I just, you know, Portland doesn't really have a whole lot of adjustments to make. I think it's it's they just the adjustment is they've got to play better. So, um, yes, uh, we will take another look. We will analyze this, and we will keep an eye on 
uh, any future developments for the rest of the series. Until next time.